0: Bismillah raheem Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihil Today insha'Allah we want to cover the story of Sulaiman alayhi salam Sulaiman alayhi salam's story is mentioned not as much as Musa alayhi salam's story which is mentioned throughout uh, in many surahs but Sulaiman alayhi salam's story is mentioned and different, different aspects are mentioned as well in some Suratun Naml Suratun Naml which is about the ant there's a lot of description in there then we have Suratu Safat Thereafter, that we have Suratul Anbiya, the chapter of the prophets, that mentions Sulaiman Alaihissalam's story as well, and then Suratul Sabah. Now, Sabah is a really important area that historically was very important, which Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala discusses, and Sulaiman story is mentioned therein as well. So, a few main points about Sulaiman Salam before we see what kind of lessons we can take from him. But I think Sulaiman story today is actually very, very relevant to us. The reason is that there's probably been nobody else who's been given as much as Sulaiman A.S. was. The amount of wealth and control and dominion and sovereignty that uh, that Sulaiman A.S. was given, I don't think anybody else, given access to human beings, pretty much his dominion encompassed a huge area until eventually this hoopay of his. He had a bird. He had the kingdom of the birds... And the animals were under him they would all, I mean this is mind boggling, I mean you just can't even fathom this like you know, the one is the human army ranked in front of him in I don't know how many hundreds of thousands or whatever right, and then you've got all the animals that he had control over, he could listen to them, he could hear them, I mean can you even imagine something like this, it's just difficult to even imagine that all the animals are standing there you know, to his attention it's just Mind-boggling. Not just that, the jinn as well. So the jinn, and they're very powerful. They're they're very very strong. So they would actually, he would get them to make stuff for him and construct big buildings and, you know, uh, edifices and so on and so forth. Not just that, he also had the wind under his control. To move such an army to be able to control it, he had the wind under his control. So he didn't have to travel on a horse or an animal, all the animals under his disposal, but he didn't have to travel on that. He had... His his, whatever his flying carpet or whatever it was. Not a flying carpet, but his arsh or his um, uh, platform, his travelling platform, whatever it was. It's such a bad name for it, right? I, if we could have a better name for that, his travelling car or vehicle or whatever it was, it would be warawahuha, um, The wind would 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 do that just the morning time would do a month's journey so he could you know in those days by walking or on horseback right which would probably be the first fastest animal they would travel on how much of a distance can you uh, cover in a month on a horse for example the wind could do that in the morning and in the evening he would come back so take a flight out in the morning and flight back in the evening right subhanallah and that's exactly what happens with flights today that's what they do i don't know if anybody's done the equation of um, how, many, uh, how much of a distance it compares to in terms of a horse's distance of, of a flight it will be interesting to know right? but he was doing that at a time when there was no such thing as flights or anything like that in, in the morning this, he, could, he could control this so he pretty much had everything under his control he actually made a dua for this give me a mulk a dominion which is not going to be appropriate for anybody else which will not be befitting for anyone else afterwards now, with all of this, generally what happens is that wealth and control and position intoxicates. You know, everything has a fitna, meaning everything has a trial attached to it. That you'll do this, but this is the trial that comes with it. If, you're, if men are going to mix with a lot of women, there's going to be fitna there unless you're married. right? Well, meaning, if you're married to them. Generally, most people are married to one. They keep mixing with five. That's what happens in workplaces. You know, marriages break down because of that. There's a fitna with everything. Likewise, if you're going to be in a sweet shop all day, right? You're probably going to eat some sweets. And then you've got diabetes. You're trying to be on a diet. You're in a fitna, man. You're in a wrong place for that kind of stuff. Likewise, if you're fasting and you're sitting around with all of these drinks and chocolates and... I mean, that's the wrong thing to do. It's a fitna that you're going to, you know, be involved in. So likewise... When you have a lot of money or position, it generally makes you feel stronger, self-confident, secure, independent. Think about it. Because when you can buy whatever you want, when there's nobody to question you, because you are the one who's the boss, you are the boss, then who's going to question you? So you feel like you can do what you want. Unless you've got some kind of consciousness of somebody higher than you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you could then end up being unfair, unjust, oppressive. That's exactly what happens. This is why people with a lot of power, they end up doing this kind of stuff if they don't have some kind of balance in their life. And the best way to have balance is through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what it does. It intoxicates you. It makes you feel invincible. Musa uh, Suleiman had the greatest dominion. More than any other prophet, more than any other person before him and after him. But yet he did not. He he kept making dua that I want to be thankful. And he kept kept being thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was constantly just. So, for example, let's just mention a few of his stories. We don't have the time to mention all of his stories. In fact, some of his stories are mentioned all together. I can mention the verses to you and you can even check them up later. But... Suleiman was a son of Dawood. Dawood himself had certain miracles Allah had given him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had made um, uh, metal, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, copper and other things. Uh, he was able to mold them to his. And he used to make uh, coats of armor with it. That was one of the ways he would do that. N- number two, he had a very good voice. Right? And people would just be amazed by his voice. Suleiman became. So, Dawood, we already know about him. He's one of the mightiest prophets among the Bani Israel. He was a, they, were, they were prophets to the Israelites. Sulaiman becomes his inheritor, and Allah gives him a lot more. There was a story that took place about uh, two women. One of them had a young child. It was her child. There was an older one, there was a younger one. The older one hadn't had a child. And suddenly, this younger one comes and claims the child and says, That's my child. So they're both arguing over this child. Maybe she couldn't have a child or whatever, that's why she wanted a child. You know, that's what they go and do. They snatch children, right, from hospitals, or they get surrogate children, right? Or they buy children, unfortunately, you know, or whatever. Adop- adopting children, okay, that's a better thing, right, of those who don't have. So they were both arguing, so they were brought to um, Suleyman alayhi salam. And Suleyman alayhi salam, said um, no, first they were brought to Dawud and Salam made a judgment for who, who remembers the story hmm? well, he gave it to the one who he was not he, he, he gave it to I think he gave it to the younger one right from what I recall so Salam, he said hold on now there's a linear approach and there's a lateral approach Sulaiman Ali said, the way to make this judgment is this, bring me a knife. Right now, it's got nothing to do with this story and nothing to do with the case. He says, bring me a knife. So now both of these women are watching. What's going on? So he says, okay, what I'm going to do is since you're both claiming it and none of you have proof, let me slice this baby in half. And I'll give you one half and I'll give you one half. The older one at that moment said, no, 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 no. Just give it to her. It's hers. Give it to her. Now, from that, he figured out that it must be for the older one, because she's got more. It's not like that other one didn't care for the child, but it's just this one spoke out first. So the idea was that this is my child. I'd rather keep the child alive than to get half a child and let him be killed. It's a lateral approach. It, you know It's another way of thinking. And Sulaiman had that understanding. Now. One of, the, uh, uh, one of the occasions there in Surah An-Naml, the reason why this whole surah is called Surah An-Naml, is the story of the ant. Uh, you can go and read it. It's from verses uh, 16 uh, to verses 19. You can go and check that out for yourself and read it in detail because we don't have the time to go into all of that detail. But it says that once he's going in his glory with all of his forces and everything, and suddenly, because he was able to hear. What does it mean he was able to hear? He was able to hear and understand. Uh, scholars, if you look at the tafsirs, they have all of these opinions of exactly how is he? Was he able to learn the language? Did he know how ants spoke? Did he know the alphabet as such? Or whatever the noises they make? And what's really interesting is that ant is a very, very interesting creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala itself. Okay? So, they have different views, different opinions. Allah gave them an understand; They could perceive from there what they're saying, or they actually knew the language, or whatever. Allah knows best. But we do know that he understood it. Because it says that as he's going, there's an anthill. And there's some ants there scur- scurrying around. And suddenly an ant says to the others, Namla, just one single ant says that, look, you better get into your, uh, into your hollow in the ground. Because when this, they're not going to check it. They're too big. You know, they can't maybe even see it. They weren't necessarily complain. It was just being cautious. Scholars have dis- discussed that. Are they complaining? Or are they just being cautious? You know, when he's complaining that they're not going to see you because they're too big, no, not necessarily. They can't notice you. They're so small. So get into your, um, into your hollow in the ground, into your burrows. So, uh, Subhanallah. He actually shows they're very intelligent. They won't know. They won't realize. They won't realize. Sometimes, you know, we may have stepped over ants we don't realize because you're not looking. And Sulaiman heard this. (laughs) He smiled. (laughs) Now, this is the beautiful part. This is, may Allah give us the tawfiq for this. You know, think of this emotionally that you are seeing suddenly the fruits of the qualities that you have. You're seeing. A benefit of one of the characteristics that you have for example let's just say you had said something put in a good word for someone and then you got the news that mashallah he gave him the job because of you how are you gonna feel that mashallah because of what I said now you could feel various different emotions yeah man you know my word works I've got control he listens to me that's one way of looking at it that happens normally that's just the psychology of the way people deal with Successes in life. It makes you feel bloated. It makes you feel important, special, right? That's nothing wrong with that as long as you control that emotion and apply it and attribute it to the right place. This is exactly what the Deen tells us so that you don't exult. This is what Sulaiman said in verse 19. He says, My Lord, give me, enable me to thank you for your bounties. That you have showered upon me and upon my parents, and that I do good deeds by which you are happy, and enter me by your mercy among your righteous servants. He knows he's got the greatest power in the world, he's got the greatest assets, most powerful everything but he knows that what is most important is to be among the righteous servants of Allah because he's recognizing someone above him which is the supreme god which is Allah our creator how does one this is to tell us that how does one despite having every i mean he, we don't have anything compared to what he had so how does somebody immediately think of Allah when you've just had a major windfall when you've just had such a success If the wealthy people, if the people in power can actually just attribute things to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a bit more often, we'd probably have less misery, we'd have more justice, we'd have more equality in the world, and we'd have more goodness and virtue in the world. That's a major that's a major benefit for us to understand. Now, if we move on to verse twenty. Now he, he used to look after his animals and his armies, so he was checking the birds out and he says, there's a hoopay missing, there was a certain hoopay that he was probably attached to, he says, where's he gone, how come I don't see the Mali, right? La aral hudhud, I can't see the hudhud, where's he gone, amkana min al-ghaib, he's just not here, is he just camouflaged somewhere or is he just not present, I'm going to punish him severely, right? Or I'm going to... Sakri was very angry at the time. He says, I'm going to either punish him severely, or I'm going to slaughter him. Unless he brings me some clear proof of, you know, good reason, excuse for why he's not there. He didn't have to wait for too long. When suddenly, the hupe comes along and he says, you know what? I'm going to just paraphrase this because um, it's a very long story. When you look at the tafsirs, there's lots of detail here. Juicy detail. Some from the Israelite sources. Um, Not necessarily all correct not necessarily all we can rely on but what we what the Quran does tell us that much we can rely on right? so he says I Have brought you some information which you do not have uh, which you do not currently have right? I've come from Sabah now. This is the land of the Sabites. This is in Yemen today if you check on Google Maps, you can look for Sabah and or Ma'rib look for Ma'rib or Sabah. This is a place in Yemen where the original Arabs eventually came from. Now, when, the, when the, there was a huge dam here, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed this place, and Allah, Allah mentions that in another surah, in surah al-saba, um, Allah says, no, actually, no, I have not got those verses here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about giving them so many bounties. And from where they were, all the way up into Arabia, and all the way up to Syria, Sham, they had, mashallah, um, places like service stations. So small hamlets that they had established because they were trading people. So they had two benefits. Number one, they had a huge dam. right? And because of that dam, the irrigation system was amazing. So they had the best of fruits. You know, streets lined with fruits of various different types and crops and everything like that. And then, even in their journey, they would be able to stop at convenient places in their journey up north. Because they had these uh, places, these small hamlets that had been prepared, like service stations. Right? But they were arrogant people. And they, re- 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 they-, they essentially, you can say, um, committed tyranny. And because of that, the dam broke. And it just flooded, and there's numbers of how much crops, how many people uh, did not survive. Now, there were lots of tribes that did survive, and they escaped. They, they basically uh, took off to save themselves. And you can actually then trace from there, one of those groups, they settled in Medina Mani- Munawwara. They became the Banu Qayla. Right? And that's from whom came the Aus and right? So from there's different groups that went to different places. Now this is not a history lesson right? because it's about and Islam, Just trying to tell you that the Hudhud had gone to this area and found the, their queen. Their queen was called Bilqis. Right? Bilqis. What do they call it in English? Sheba. Generally referred to as Sheba, probably from Sabah. Because her name was Bilqis. It's not... Saba, Sheba, maybe that's where they get... That looks like an Ethiopian term, I think. There's lots of traditions about, about her, describing her. But that's, they were ruled by Bilqis. Now, they did not believe in God. They did not believe in God. So that's why uh, Hudhud came and told him this information. So now the story is, is long, but what exactly happened is Sulaiman Ali sent her a note. So, through the hupeh, this bird and the note was bismillahir rahmanir rahim Allah ta'lu عَلَيَّ wa'tuni muslimin probably one of the shortest letters ever written that we've got documented in the name of Allah most gracious most merciful don't try to overcome me don't try to be don't try to attempt tyranny over me and come to me in submission that's it now she's a ruler she's a sovereign so when she gets this, she's like, you know, generally when people get those kind of things like the, the leader of the Persians at the time, the Khosrows, at the time of the Prophet he was so arrogant, he just tore the letter up. didn't realize that this is coming from somewhere, you better be careful. Nobody writes letters to you like this unless they mean something and they have the power of something. So she consulted. You can tell she was a decent person. She was consulting. What should we do about this? Now to... How did the, 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 the tafsir, they mentioned that, how does Hupe get this letter to her? She's constantly well-guarded. says that she was in her room, in her private chamber, and there was a window open. So what he did, she was sleeping, so he went in from there and he dropped the letter there, right? And then he sat there waiting for her. When she woke up, she's like, where did this come from? I'm guarded. Nobody can come in here. And then she's looking around, suddenly she sees towards looks towards the window and sees the hoop and realizes and then looks at it. So it's all quite amazing the way it was. It was quite incredible for her. She makes a mushroom and she says that, look, if this guy is a king, the person who's telling me to come, if he's a king of the world, like a normal not really God and all of this claim that he's making, then let's figure this out. So they decided to take some huge gifts and send them. Because if he's a worldly person, gifts, that's exactly what I want. Right? So he would be happy with that and Suleyman said no when they, came, when they came with that to Suleyman the delegation not Sheba she did not come the Bilqis it was her people are you trying to increase me in wealth that Allah has given me so much you're trying to add to my wealth whatever Allah has given me is much more superior you be happy with your with your gift, you be happy with it. You enjoy it. Irje ilehim. Now go back to them. Return to them. If you understood Arabic, those who understand Arabic, these are very mighty words. They they sound awesome, even in Arabic. Bijunudin You know, you can only appreciate that in Arabic. We're going to come to them with such a force, such an army that there's no comparison to it. There's no defense for that kind of an army. Right? and these are words of Jalal and might and we're going to evict them out of there and they're going to be humiliated La ilaha illallah so they're going to come now right? and as she's on her way I'm just cutting the story short as she, she's on her way Sulaiman alayhi salam has heard right, the news about this new kingdom and heard that she had this really amazing throne. And there's descriptions in the, had- in the hadith, in the tafsirs and so on, as to why it was so great, it was majestic, and it had this many pearls on it and all the rest of it. I'm not going to go into that. It was an amazing throne, right? So Sulaiman he <laughs> has got everything at his disposal. He says, قَالَ يَا أَيُّهَا Which one of you can bring me her throne? Now, think about Sulaiman Islam. Most likely he's in Jerusalem. He's in the Holy Lands, right? (laughs) There are two opinions about this. But the stronger opinion is that that is where he is. From there, you have to come all the way down the Arabian coast to Yemen. Pick up a throne that is heavy and bring it back. How long is that going to take? Now, they've already set off. And he said, now bring me a throne. And before they left, this throne was, it looks like an item of pride for them. So they had locked it up in some serious security. Who's going to bring it for me? So that's the interesting story here. One of the jinn that were at his disposal, he says, "Ana I will bring it to you before you can stand up. So before I could stand up like this, it'll be here. That's fast enough. I'm just wondering from a perspective of physics, how can you do that? You know, the law of resistance and all of this, how do you get a throne like that and go, I mean, first go so fast, travel so fast, come back within a few seconds? How, how is that possible? Right? But this jinn could do it. Right? I've got some ideas about this, I'll explain. Now I'm fully able to do this and I'm trustworthy, I'll bring it. قال الذي عنده علم من now remember I talked about اسم الله العظيم, right the mighty name of Allah. there was somebody who, well this is not necessarily اسم الله اسم الله العظم. he says the one who had the knowledge of the book. this is Asif ibn نُبَرْخِيَةَ apparently, right who was there. he had certain formula that he had some knowledge by which he says أنا أتيك به قبل أن يرتد إليك ترفك. how much faster than before you stand up like how much more faster. He said, I can get it for you before the blink of an eye, before your, 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 um, your eyelids move. I mean, that's just, you know. This just shows you the might of Suleiman Ali Islam. just goes to show that the person has so much at his disposal, literally, right? To transport a huge chunk of whatever it was made of from there to here. And there it was. And then suddenly he saw it in front of him. Again, Subhanallah. A person's connection with Allah, this is what I revel at. Not at what he had at his disposal, that is there. Right? But how he can relate this to Allah each time. He sees it in front of him, oh yeah, wonderful, mashallah, you did wonderful. No. هذا in فضل Rabbi. this is from the grace of my lord and then he knows it's a fitna he knows it's a test he says so he can test me to see if I'm going to be grateful or not so he's like no I know the test here not only am I fulfilling the test I know it's a test and I'm saying it's a test that's presence that's what you call ma'rifat of Allah that's what you call real knowledge about Allah real connection with Allah you know what you're doing. You know when you need to be talking about Allah and thinking. Of it. You're thinking about Allah. the only person who can do this is the one who thinks of Allah all the time. Otherwise, this is so distracting. It's so amazing that it'll be distracting to you, right? You know, like if you've been trying to do something, and suddenly it gets fixed. You're like, oh, wonderful! You know, it's got fixed. You're like just elated by that in that moment. You know, people with thinking about Alhamdulillah, it must be because. What it is, they are always in the back of their mind. They had Allah. Allah's going to allow this to happen. Okay, I'm using means, right? Because Allah is not like, I just make dua and it's going to come here. He could do that, but I have to take means. But he's constantly thinking about Allah. So then when it happens, it's Allah. So there it was. Anyway, he put it there. He had it changed slightly. Just slightly changed. قَالَ nakiru لَهَا عَرْشَهَا نَنظُرْ The story goes that the jinn were frightened. So Imam Ali didn't have any children at that time. And the jinn, they knew that Bilqi, she's very beautiful. If he gets married to her and they have children, then they're going to stay under control of, their, of his children. They, were, they, they were wanted to get out of this. So they apparently sent a rumor that she's very ugly. Or she's, no, no not ugly. She's got hairy feet or bad feet, or legs, and the other thing said that she's not very intelligent. Subhana. Something like that. You find that in the sources. It's not in the Quran. That part is not in the Quran. So, Subhanallah so wants you to test her. So, he says, okay, will she be guided and understand it? So, when she came and the throne is there, said, somebody said, is this um, your throne? No. Is this... Is your throne like this? So she said, It is as if it is it. It is as if it is it. So it's a, it's a very good answer. Like I'm not saying it's mine because like, how do you get a physical body like that up to here by this time? But it's exactly like it. So then he had this glass palace constructed. And he had the bottom part of it filled with water. And there was a glass on top of it. So if it was so clear that you couldn't see the glass, you thought it was water. You know, he had all of this at his disposal, all this technology. So he said, okay, go and enter into the palace. So as she's going there, she thought it was water. So she thought, her feet are going to get wet because it's water. She didn't realize the glass there, so she lifted up. And he saw that no, actually, it's not what they're saying. And there's different opinions as like, to exactly what it is said that she was, she did have hair there, but then he found a way to remove that. And there's lots of I don't want to get into that. But the main thing is, Sulaiman AS told her, no, Innahu Sarhum mumarradum Min This is actually a palace made of glass. So then she said, that's when she declared it. That's her test done, right? And she got her uh, her consciousness about Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. She said, my lord, I have wronged myself. And now I submit with Sulaiman salam to the lord of the worlds. She became Muslim. There's opinions about whether he married her or not. One opinion is he married her but then let her stay there and he would go and visit her once every month using his flying you know, um, uh, vehicle. Right, and you stay there for two, three days. Another opinion is that he got her married to somebody else. Allah knows best. But what Allah tells us here is the story of his power and his shukr. And that is the lesson we take. We don't have much power, to be honest. But we feel that like we have some power and security. And mashallah means at our disposal. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of the shakirin. May Allah make us of the thankful ones. And never let us be of the, those who are not thankful. With this story that we have, may Allah bless us all. Wa <laughs> JazakAllah khair for listening. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. JazakAllah khair and Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh.